Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hashtag Actor Life, a John Rosenfeld Studios podcast. And I'm your host, John Rosenfeld. Today, we are exploring longevity and the endurance to handle the word no. This industry is a marathon, and I have seen no one handle this race with more grace than one of my all-time favorite humans, Britt Brenchler. Her film Pretty Problems won the Audience Award at South by Southwest last year. She is currently casting her directorial debut, and she is also a teacher and coach at the studio. Well, enough for me. Let's hear from the lady herself. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our newest episode of uh, Hashtag Actor Life. I keep on saying afterlife, but it's actually actor life. Uh, and... I would like to welcome uh, truly one of my favorite humans on the planet, uh, Brittany Rentschler, who is uh, a, first of all, a teacher at the studio and a coach, uh, but she's like a real hyphen at the studio. She not only teaches acting, but she actually teaches business, but she's also a brilliant actor. Uh, uh, and she's actually gone into, she's written now writing and producing, and she's about to go into directing. So of all the hyphenates, she is the, 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 one of the most hyphenated people I have ever met <laughs> and, a, and a beautiful human being. Hello. Hi. What an introduction. Thank you, John. Um, oh, of course. Uh, well, what do you mean? It's, it's, it's all true. Um, how are you today? I am doing well. I don't. I don't know uh, when people are going to be listening to this, but we're on pins and needles, uh, waiting for this. What we hope is the last day of negotiations. Um, so you know, they they worked ten hours yesterday. We're waiting to find out what's going on, but it seems like it could be close. So it looks like it could be real close. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking about. Real that's close. really heavy on my mind. Yeah. Well. At this particular moment in time, you are one of the, you are the most perfect person to be on the podcast today. Because, you know, with this strike that has really been going on since the beginning of the year, if you think about mm -hmm. it, like really it started since January and the fact that the industry has been preparing for this strike. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were prepping for it because we knew the writer strike was most likely coming. Um, so I feel like we started the year with everyone kind of girding their loins for like what was to come and it just kept evolving and expanding. And, um, I honestly thought at one point we were going to have a mega strike with the DGA as well, which would have been pretty historical, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been really, we're at that threshold. It's a really necessary situation. And I think it's, it's taken up a lot of time and rightfully so, because there's such huge things on the table. Yeah. And it has required an enormous amount of patience <laughs> from everybody involved. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really uh, tested everybody's, uh, uh, well, mental health, but as well as just their thoughts about career. Mm -hmm. And it's been so hard for people to wait. And I think there's been some catastrophizing, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're realizing that some of these studio heads uh, have truly it's kind of felt like this career was under assault. Yeah. You know, it really was. And on the heels of COVID too. I mean, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time being negative because I feel like that's maybe something that I, I love to bring to the table is always finding the best way to get through something, the most positive way to get through yes. something. Um, I'm a natural problem solver and it's what I love the most, particularly about actor salon is that we've had clients this entire year who have not let go of their six month goals 
and their weekly tasks. And they have done amazing things. They've created their own series. They've created their own features. They've been signed. They've gotten managers. They've gotten agents. There are a lot of things that happen. But what I will say is it felt very difficult because it was right on the heels of COVID. And it felt like we were living through this all over again. People having existential crisis, wondering about their careers. How many side jobs do I need to have? Um, it's just been, uh, pretty relentless for the last couple of years, but some really amazing things have come out of it in terms of clarifying goals, Mm -hmm. really getting down to what matters most to you and understanding what you're willing to let go of and what you want to keep working for. Yeah. And just so the the audience knows, Actor Salon is a division of our studio, which really just focuses on the business of acting. And what does that even mean? It's everything outside of actual your acting. Yeah. Which is so Uh, helpful. I mean, I remember when we first developed it, John, it was because, you know, we were working in creatively in the classroom and we were, we do this thing at our studio where you do a check-in and everyone would go around the room and check in. And we noticed how difficult it was, how heavy it was for these actors to come in and say, you know, I know I'm supposed to be here to be creative today, but like, man, I can't figure out how to talk to my agent or I just like don't know how to connect with this mm-hmm. casting director or I'm feeling so frustrated that I feel like I'm watching everyone audition around me and I'm not getting anywhere. And that is a heavy burden to carry. It weighs on your creativity. It's hard for you to get into a state of play when you are dealing with mm-hmm. these very adult responsibilities of side jobs and career goals So that's where it came from. And I love it because it's, you know, we meet once a week and everybody just gets really down and dirty on like, what are your actual tasks? What are your habits? Here's the space where we talk about that stuff so you can walk into the acting classroom and feel free to be in a state of play. Um, It changed my life as an actor 100%. So I'm really grateful that we have that. And it's been so inspiring to see people show up during these months and show up during COVID and not stop their forward momentum. It's been really incredible. Okay. This is why I am so freaking excited to have you on (laughs) because the theme, well, the theme is, listen, I, this is a career that is really about, uh, it, it, for its endurance to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's a belief in self and it's showing up. Um, and you are someone that has intrigued me Oh, well, first of all, I I always believed in you. You did. But I will be honest that at the very beginning, um, uh, when you came to the studio, well, you were a lovely actor. I worried about you. <laughs> but I worried about you because you were receiving a lot of no's. Mm-hmm. And when I say no's, it just meant like, listen, you're a uh, this incredibly talented woman who and and, and, and who offers so much. But no matter what, you just be, whether because you didn't have the credits mm-hmm. or whether they couldn't figure out whether to place you. Yeah. And I have seen so many people receive those initial no's and just get deflated mm-hmm. and deflated and ultimately let it toxify. Yeah. And then ultimately kind of implode or lose sight. But you had this, I, and I, I, I want to know where it freaking comes from. <laughs> But, you know, but I, I, I mean, this business, you know, I have, a, I had access to agents and managers and I'd refer you and then we'd always get, she's great, but, yeah, but she's great, but, but I've watched you because you know, like we, this is partly what we talk about actress on, it's about class, but this, in order to be successful in this career, you know, a, you have to always remember how much you love acting. Yes. Right. 
And then you also have to address all very carefully all the obstacles that are standing in the way of you cultivating the life, a life that's going to serve you and sustain you. Where it's not just about acting, mm-hmm. it's also about relationships, mm-hmm. uh, 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 making a life for yourself, following other things that intrigue you, um, being uh, really mindful about the way you're functioning in the world, learning about yourself. Um, and it's just been such an incredible privilege to watch you kind of like take these steps along the way to where, you know, now you have this great reps and you're about to direct a movie. I mean, it's just, uh, and having won a South by Southwest, you know, best audience award for a film that you did. Um, that doesn't just fucking happen. <laughs> and it's why you are, uh, such a brilliant voice as a, as a mentor and a teacher, because you are so familiar with all of this shit that happens in our brains and gets in our own way. And you really had to tend your acre. Yeah. So I'm, so I kind of want to walk through like that initial time, right. Where you were getting those no's, which by the way, it was so, and isn't it fascinating that I got to say with all our teachers, remember how many no's that Ryan would get mm-hmm. and how many no's all these people, like all these people, uh, beavers, all these people would get and to watch how well they're doing right now. Yeah, It really takes an incredible belief and will. So I'm just wondering, how, what was your initial reaction to those no's? My initial reaction, you know, I came from theater. I went straight from undergrad into grad school, got my master's in, in theater, you know, classical theater, <laughs> none, no less. So total, total translation into LA TV and film, right? Um, but I, I wanted to do something different. I knew the theater world so well, and I knew what regional theater looked like. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to move to California. I'm just going to like see what this is about. So I feel like I came into it with a desire and a hunger for something new. So I, mm-hmm. I was ready to be comfortable with what I did not know. But what I also was ready to do was hand over my value of self to anybody that I thought was in a position of power. Because I did not know, I remained curious, but I also felt like there was a hierarchy and I was at the bottom. So in the beginning, when I met with a manager or I heard from an agent or I went to a casting director workshop, I thought their word was, you know, the word of the entire industry. I needed to listen to everything that they said. And if they said no to me, then there was something wrong. There was something I was doing that was wrong. And that is a very unsustainable place. So that was truly my first experience was hearing, oh, you're too tall. Oh, you're really talented. But honestly, sorry, I'm going to take this other girl because I think she's more marketable. She looks like a model. These are real things that I heard. And it was never, you're not talented. It was, I don't know what to do with you or I don't think I can market you. Um, It was really difficult. I cried a lot. Um, But I also was consistently in acting class and was building my community. Mm. And the people that were around me that I loved working with are the people I am still working with. Michael Tennant, one of my very in one of my very first classes at John Rosenfeld Studios, we are now producing partners, acting partners, writing partners. That it was our movie that went to South by and won. We're co-directing on this next thing. And everyone that was in Pretty Problems, save one person, was from our studio. So I feel like that's what saved me was that my community was so wonderful that I kept falling in love with the work over and over again. And eventually, because of the work that I did outside of acting, 
working with meditation, working with yoga, working with healing, uh, taking vacations and exploring the world, I started to realize how much of my value was intrinsic and not external. And I started to understand that if someone told me no, that they weren't my person, but it didn't mean that I needed to change. I mean, we all need to evolve and change within a healthy framework, but I stopped being willing to give away my power. And that's when my career started to take off is because I decided that I I knew what I wanted. I was going to keep doing it. The right people were going to show up. And I stopped giving away my sense of value to people that I thought were in positions of power. And I gave the power back to myself. I really want every listener to to take this in because boy, do I remember that coming up and putting these agents and casting directors and managers in some pedestal. And I had this vision that they all lived in these, no matter what agency, that they were living in some houses in Bel Air, mm-hmm. living these fabulous life. And I'll never forget, there was this one uh, uh, agent who um, uh, really sold himself as oh so powerful, you know, who had, uh, I remember turned me down in a rather kind of uh, callous way. Mm. And of course I'm imagining him getting it. I have this, I built this narrative of his, of his life. I found out he was earning $50,000 a year and living in a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. And really what I was witnessing was, oh, he's just not happy. Yes. And it was weird to humanize it and to realize that all these people are just people who are trying to be happy, have lives. So for a lot of the young people, I think they're not recognizing that these are, we're all the freaking same. And that helps us be able to take that power back. Absolutely. Yeah. And to know that, that you, you just, you have to keep coming back to that light that's inside of you. You have to keep the fire burning and then you go back out into the world again because it's still, look, it still hurts. You know, there's still things that happen. Um, this is not a cycle that doesn't exist for me anymore. It's just that I have learned to develop practices that help me. So as the level of, of the rejection or um, the no gets higher, which by the way, you want it to, you want it to go beyond just a rep not repping you to, you know, Hulu not taking your show. Like these are things you want, but you develop these practices along the way of like, how do you go home? How do you nurture yourself? How do you surround yourself with people that also believe in you and want to nurture you? And you reciprocate that with them so that you continue to grow together And then you get back up and you go back out there and it's not a like nose to the grindstone thing. It's small, consistent steps and you keep showing up. This has been years. You know, I've known you for over a decade now. So this is, this is how long it's taken. There's no overnight success here. You know, it was just continually showing up even on the days where it felt really bad and believing that something better would happen and keeping that fire burning for myself and not handing it away. Yeah. And I remember you, um, you, one of the things that helped you, you know, get some of that work on your resume is then you said, okay, so maybe the LA market is a little limited right now. Mm -hmm. So you really put yourself out there with the South, the the South, South, yeah, the Southeast. Yes. And this is what I tell people, look, If you're trying to, there's so many markets now. There's the Southwest market. People are going to Arizona. People are going to um, to Texas. People are going, you know, up to um, Seattle. 
there, there are many markets for you to get involved in. And if you do it as a strategy, it might work for you. But what I found that my success in that market came from authentic relationships, meaning I'm really from Alabama. My, my heart and soul is in the South for sure. I came a long way to get to California. So when I started leading from the place of, it's not, I'm so hungry, I need a job. Um, it was more of like, oh, this could be really cool because there's stuff happening here. And what if I got to fly home and see my parents and then borrow their car and drive over to Atlanta and shoot something? And it just gave back to me so much when I approached it from that way. And I look, I had so many people tell me that was the wrong idea. I had reps tell me like, are you sure you really, this is a great example. One of the auditions that came through was, you know, for like one or two lines. And I had just booked a guest star out here. It was like, do you really want to audition for like one to two lines? And I said, yeah, I do. Because well, A, I want health insurance. B, I would get to go home and see my family. C, I love these casting directors and they're so good to me. And if they're offering me this opportunity, then I want to follow that energetic thread. And once I auditioned, the creator of the show saw my tape and he said, you know what? Uh, I don't think this role is right for her. I want to give her something bigger. And he offered me, offered me a five episode recurring arc on that show. And this is what I tell people. It's so important to show up with a lack of judgment. Not judgment in the sense that you're not discerning. Be discerning for yourself. Know your value and know your worth. But the, the judgment of hierarchy or like, well, don't do that because then this will happen. It's like, listen, listen to your instincts. Trust the relationships that you've been building and really wonderful things expand that you don't have control over. I had no idea that would happen, but I knew that it felt like the right thing to just show up fully as myself and give that two-line audition everything I had. And that's what happened. And I, I feel like my relationship with the Southeast casting, that's how it worked. I, I genuinely nurtured it. I loved being there. I loved working there. It was never a tactic in that way. It was definitely a strategy to help me build my resume. And so much of my resume is from the Southeast, but also so many of my best relationships came from that too. It wasn't just about building the credits. So that's what I kind of offer to people. If you're doing casting director workshops, if you're taking general meetings, lead with that energy. If you're going to another market, like understand that we all benefit from these connections and from these strategies. But if you don't approach it authentically, I don't think it grows in the way that you want it to. It's so incredibly healthy what you're saying. I think that's where I struggled uh, I, because what I'm really hearing is you're basically, you're, you, you didn't let your ego get in the way or start to tell stories of, oh, well, here I am. I can't get be in LA. So I guess I have to be in the Southern market and, oh, it's only a two line audition. Therefore, and then you diminish the, uh, uh, the importance of it or what you have to invest in it. Yeah. And the fact you're able to get your, actually do what you do is like, yeah. like bring all your creativity and all of your inner life to this piece. And then that's what spoke volumes for it. And you actually booked some really great freaking jobs. And, and I mean, you oh my know, gosh, you got into that, uh, the, the movie with the lovely Rose Byrne. Oh my gosh. I got to play Rose Byrne's sister, Julie Haggerty's daughter. It was uh, like, I, 
Booking Instant Family, that was that was a huge, that was the biggest movie I'd ever booked. And I went through three callbacks for that. Right. And every time I flew out to Atlanta for it, I would call my mom and cry. I was like, Mom, what if I'm putting all this time and energy into this and like they're not gonna hire me? And she was like, Honey, when it feels this big, it's usually because something big is happening. Just keep trusting it, keep showing up. Um, and I had an amazing experience working with that entire cast and crew. It really felt like family. And also, I talked to them at one of the screenings, um, and the director was like, you know, what's really funny is we read that role in L.A. relentlessly, and we actually started to think that our writing was bad because he co-wrote it with, um, with his partner, John. Um, he's like, we thought that the writing was wrong. And then we finally looked through the Southeast tapes and we saw your tape and we were like, oh my God, there it is. And he said, can you tell me what you did? I'm really trying to figure it out. Like, what did you do that was different? And I said, well, I just, I thought about what it would be like to be, you know, when you're in a family situation, you have all these histories and all these strong relationships to all of these people. And I knew that this was not my story. I knew that I was a supporting character who still had strong opinions because I've lived in this family my whole life, but it's not my scene. And he was like, oh my God, that's what it was. Everybody was trying so hard to make the scene work for them. And you showed up as a full person within the scene. And that's what it was. And I, I was as an actor, I was deeply honored by that yeah. because it is a lack of ego. It is a love of story. Mm. And it ultimately got me into a position that a lot of other LA actors were vying for. And what I really love about it is that I have watched over time the judgment for the Southeast market. I have fought so hard against so many reps who, or, or even casting directors sometimes who think like that's the smaller market. And like, you guys, the actors there are so talented. They're so amazing. And that market, I believe, is fully growing, not just because of tax benefits, et cetera, but it's because they can really fill out those roles with amazing actors who are from that region. And this this whole story of like, well, we got to go to LA to get it. It's like, no, you don't. You really don't. And so that was one of those wonderful stories where I felt like the judgment was dropping and they were so open I mean, when you say, like, we finally watched the Atlanta tapes, it's like, okay, well, you could have started with that. But I'm really glad that they, I'm really glad that they did. And it worked out so beautifully and they were so welcoming to me. But I just say that because I feel like you have to follow your instincts. And when I very first got that audition, you know, and it said local hire on it, I was recommended not to take it because that means you have to put yourself up and fly yourself out. Right. And by the way, that was not the deal that I ended up getting because I ended up being the person that they wanted. And so I got more than the original offer came in for, but it's kind of like that thing with six where it's, you know, you go in for two lines and you end up with five episodes. Like I went into the the detour, uh, what Jason Jones was doing. And I, I showed up and just, I was kind of nervous, because uh, I really liked his work and we had a rehearsal and I just decided, I really mentally in my trailer, I was like, just go in there and just love your work. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I went in there and did the rehearsal. And after the rehearsal, he came back and knocked on my door and he's like, hey, we really love what you're doing. We're going to write more for you if you're okay with that. Can you stay a little bit longer? Well, of course, we'll talk to your agent and everything. But like, we're actually writing more in this scene right now for you. Do you think you can memorize it and like have it ready in like an hour? 
And then they added me to another episode. And that's another one of those things where it's like, just show up and do your work and love your work and really wonderful things happen. And I don't mean that in a trite way. I genuinely mean that from personal experience. And would you also say that like in that there's a certain power that we, that you had from being a teacher and an understanding of material and yourself Mm -hmm. and being able to identify like, this is the trap that I think a lot of people are going to fall into with Mm -hmm. this. And especially for we talk about being a sister, like don't try to be the star of the movie. Yeah. You're not. Rose Burns, the star. Yeah. (laughs) And she's wonderful and amazing. And like, let her be. Yes. And know what my, what's my utility in this piece. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I love that. I think, well, it is interesting. You talk about the Atlanta market. Um, No, I do want to say one other thing, but also, I have so much stuff. I go follow up questions and a couple of different tangents, but all of that work, right? And then you get that job on Instant Family, and you get its things written mm-hmm. for you. That's one of those pat on the backs. Yes, that I think it is important to receive. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not saying you're any better than you were the day before, but it's saying we see you. Mm-hmm. Good job keep going. It's just kind of a good job. It's a pat on the back. Yeah. And, and also there, isn't there something really rewarding about like, okay, wait, they are seeing me that I belong in this universe. Yes. Like I belong amongst these people. And that is, I think it is, and it proves to you what you've always believed. Yes. You know, and I think we, that, 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 then that, God, that does add a little bit of just that, that fuel, mm-hmm. you know? And I think for all those actors, they need to remind, like, you're not going to get that pat on the back when you want it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, the pat on the back comes from, you have just have to have faith that it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I remember when I tested for the movie, I robot and I'm like, oh my God, it's just, it's like between me and two other people to star opposite Will Smith for six months. <laughs> You know, no pressure. But it also felt like, but I do belong in this group. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think we have to have that somewhere, that belief that there's the, not an entitlement, but like, hey, this is where I envision myself. Yes. Yes. Um, But then here's my question. So then you get these jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Well, And the calculus obviously today has changed, right? Mm -hmm. It's uh, Atlanta. Yeah. A great market. I mean, look at Camille Guadi, one of our... Yeah, teacher. She's living in Nashville. Yeah. You know, we're not, uh, I think the bias is lessening significantly. Yeah, with good reason. I'm I'm so happy and proud of that market for all of its growth because they deserve it. They deserve it. Absolutely. But even with those jobs, Mm -hmm. with those jobs, you came out here and there was still that, well, that was in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's still, I mean- What I think is great about a resume is ultimately when it's on your resume, it doesn't matter how you got it. It's there, right? I have, you know, you have four recurrings on your resume. No one's like, well, where'd you book it? So that is helpful. Um, I would say the main thing that was difficult was, was uh, uniting territories between reps. And some people are very good at it. Some people are very, very good at it. I have a friend who was on six who was like, I'm repped in five places. And I was like, dang son, that is like, and he's like, and nobody gets anybody else's percentages. And I have it all worked out. And like, they get what they, 
I was like, whoa, dude, that's amazing. And I'm, I'm so happy for you. I do think that's something that COVID broke up for everybody is now you can work remotely. You can live everywhere. We had a huge exodus from Los Angeles. People are in other markets. Um, and I do think that that doesn't mean you can't be, rep- you know, some people are represented by coastally in New York and LA. You spend half the time there. You know, I'm in Birmingham a lot of the year because my, my family's there. Uh, we right. spent most of COVID there. So we could really audition for the stuff that was there because, you know, we're living in my parents' basement, um, which was amazing, by the way. So nice. I was like, when, when do you ever get to do this as an adult? Like spend this much time with your family uninterrupted. No. I was, I felt really lucky with, of course, the caveat being the sadness that's happening in the world. But um, yeah, it's just, it's all, it's all changing. You know, it's changing now from when I did it. It's changing now from five years ago. And I think that's what I like so much just to go back to the business class and actor salon is that it's about evolving and it's about continuing to show up every week, whether you've done your work or not, just to take inventory of it and to see how the business is changing, how you're changing, the kind of like meeting the ground under your feet in a really conscious way. Mm-hmm. That's how I think you move forward because things are going to continue to change. Wow, um, you know it's so fascinating. We talked about it in the last episode, but a lot of the actors that you and I work with, mm-hmm. um, they truly don't don't even know what the world was like before two thousand twenty. Mm-hmm. Right, like some mm-hmm. of them never knew what it was like to go into rooms. No. So their entire experience is... Yeah, yeah. And let's like, can we talk about that for a minute? Because that, I have such strong feelings on this. And I know uh, a lot of people were really fighting to get back into the room. But I, as a young actor, Mm -hmm. it was so, it was so difficult in the first place to get an audition. Yeah. In the second place... To have to, at the drop of a hat, night before, oh my God, you have an audition on the Fox lot tomorrow, get your shift covered, cross town. It's incredibly intimidating to have to go through the lot and like not know where to park and to give them your driver's license and to be like, do I really belong here? Do I not belong here? Oh my God. All those feelings. You finally get to the room because it's a maze because the casting rooms change all the time and no one knows how to help you. By the time I got there... I was fighting so much imposter syndrome and just like trying to get back to being creative and not be a problem solver, like logistics wise. And then you're in these thin rooms and you hear everyone and you see everyone who looks like you and and everyone knows that story as an actor, but it really takes a lot of mental energy to psychologically do those gymnastics. You don't, you don't have, like you, you do it and maybe you get better at it and you get faster at it, but it was really stressful And it actually felt like there was more of a hierarchy because you could be in the casting room waiting and hear casting pick up the phone during pilot season and talk about an offer they already had on the table, possibly for the role that you're going into. It just, it felt like it was so much harder, in my opinion. The fact that I can now tape in my home at any time of day or night, it does not affect any other job that I have. And I can... I can make sure the temperature is right. I can make sure I have water. I can go into a total invisible bubble of creativity before I tape. It's and you can do it on your iPhone. I'm I'm kind of jealous of these actors that are coming up after 2020, honestly, because I feel like there was a lot of I think I would have done well faster had I not felt like I was getting hazed 
And the audition process felt like hazing to me. I don't, I don't know how you felt. I mean, sure, there's those amazing moments where you get feedback from the casting director and you get that amazing audition, but you still, like, you have no control over what it looks like or whether it gets passed on and you just sacrificed half your day to get there. I don't know, man. I, a lot of people have different opinions. I, oh, I love what you're saying. I think that's a great take on it. Yeah. I think that, you know, I mean, I, I agree that I remember parking in the galaxy lot and then, you know, on galaxy and coming in and your central nervous system <sighs> is being tested. And we're trying to say, don't make audition an event, but it is an event because you got to get there that time earlier. You'd go into the room. You might see a whole bunch of producers that don't want to be mm -hmm. there. And because again, well, they they didn't want to be there because they actually wanted to be producing the show yeah. and they're having to like, they're having to create three hours by them, you know, like, okay, here we are. They're like, let's just give it to somebody. Right. Exactly. You know, so I do agree. The only, I, I, And I think, be, but I do believe that the only reason you're able to arrive at this place mm -hmm. is because you were seeing what it was before. Yes, you're right. I have a comparison. You have a comparison. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that, but what, but. What that also reminded you was, and this is the only thing that concerns me, is that because it's become such an uh, creativity is become auditioning has become in your own home or so much more isolated, that there are certain acting actors that are forgetting. I also have to be prepared to be on set. Yes. Oh, totally. I also have to be truly prepared to 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 do my craft mm -hmm. and my art and on there. You know what I mean? Which is why I think class is important. Of course. Because listen, I never gained anything in an audition room that I was using on set. Right. That was never what prepared me for set. Going in and having five minutes with the casting director and getting taped and maybe redirected once, it was being in class. It was having someone coaching me on my feet and working with other people and constantly working. Yeah. And not to mention, like, look, hugely formative for me was fear. There's already so much fear as an actor. And it preyed upon me to think I can't leave town. Oh my God. I can't go to my cousin's wedding. I can't, my mom really wants me to come home, but like, it just, I feel like that pressure has diminished because we're now working remotely. And I feel like actors have a greater sense of self outside of the work. And I think it makes their work better because they get to be with their families yeah. they get to travel and they're not so terrified all the time. Maybe we're terrified for different reasons. That's totally fair. Um, but that's, that is that I, I, if you're wondering how I feel about it, I think I just told you. <laughs> well, I think there are quite a few uh, actors who were like big voices and complaining about this tape uh, world. Because um, they just got bumped down on the hierarchy, by the way, because they were the ones who got valet parking and offered stiller sparkling water when they walked into a casting office. But that's exactly it. And they were able to weaponize their relationships and literally go, oh my God, hey, how are, how are the kids? Oh, it feels so good to be adored in a room. <laughs> it totally does. But most of us are walking in and they're like, so who are you? Exactly. So basically it's leveled the playing field where the tape is actually going to be speaking volumes. Yes. The tape, the work can get you the job. Yeah. And I think that that is something to be celebrated. And I actually think the hierarchy is more diminished than ever because of that. That's, and that is a good thing. And that is a good thing for the working class actor. I really hope people take that in, but yeah. it still is about the work. And that is about learning to, to make sure that you really are advocating for a story that you believe in and that you are knowing how to shoot it. And that, but we yes. also, in the same way, we also have to make sure that your self tapes are not an event in your life, that this is just right. A habit. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But the amount of clients I have 
who are able to actually make more money now because they're not so scared about what jobs they're taking. You know, some of them are even working full time because they're, they're doing it remotely. And so they're able to do their tapes at night and they're not struggling in the same way. That's, that's huge. That's what I mean also by diminishing the hierarchy is like, you know, you're not, if you're not the one who has to give up your shift at the restaurant to make it across town, like I understand that you're frustrated, but if you are, and you can, and you can now work in like HR for a company and like actually make better money and have health insurance, that's huge. That's huge. So, um, I'm grateful for it. It's, and I also, I feel like it's really great to have, like you said, that creativity in the space. Like I get inspired by things that are in my house that I bring into my tapes, you know? Um, I might change my outfit four times uh, because I feel like, oh my gosh, no, I think she would have a red lipstick. And like, I don't know, it's it's your it's your bubble. Like you get to work in your bubble and you, that being said, you do still need people. You need to keep growing your craft with other people. Community is deeply important. Community is the reason that I was able to run the marathon. Yeah. And you've curated quite the community. Yeah. I can edit this out. Because I just took a pause, but I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, <laughs> spot. But um, what is the worst advice you've ever gotten? I'm going to relate this back to what we talked about earlier about my power. I think the worst advice I ever got was from a manager who said that I should change my name because he couldn't imagine himself spelling Rentschler on the phone to casting every day. Wow. So he asked me to change my name in order to make his life more convenient. And that was probably the worst advice I ever got. And I didn't change it. And I'm really grateful because I love my last name. It's a great last name. Thank you. And I realize it's not easy to spell. But you know what? I think of all the people that came before me that gave me this name every time I hear it. And that's a power I didn't want to give away. Did you consider it ever? You know, I did change. Professionally, I go as Brit. Oh. That, that, no one advised me to do that, but I was getting a lot of feedback of like, oh, I saw Britney on the page and I just didn't expect you. I was like, oh, you thought it was going to be Britney Spears. (laughs) It was like, really, truly what it was is that like, there was like a generation raised on Daria that saw Britney as like the blonde cheerleader cartoon character. And then there's Britney Spears. Iconic. Love her but I am very clearly not that yeah. and don't go in for that. Um, so I shortened my first name just so right away people understood Brit. Brit felt more like Brit's going to play your lawyer. Brit's going to show up and be a doctor. Brit's going to, you know, like there was something about Brit Rentschler that felt strong and the Brittany just kept throwing people off. It does. Um, it does throw yeah. off. Brittany, it's, it's softer. It's softer and it's, it's yeah. polysyllabic. But Brit Rent- yeah. yeah, there's something, there's like a. Yeah. So that felt good to me, but that was my choice. Yeah. You know? I, I love that. Um, right now, what are you finding in, you know, because this podcast is a, to offer any insights and, and mm-hmm. tips. And also at the end of the day, make people feel witnessed saying like, Hey, yeah. all these thoughts you're having, we see them and we yeah. understand them. Um, what are some of like, at least currently in today's world with the strikes and post pandemic and your salon classes, are you finding any recurring, any thematically concerns or worries that yeah. people are having about, is it, is it just the, 
And and also you have people from all over, right? It's online, so you get people. Mm-hmm. I'm sure not just in LA. Yeah, people people are from all over. I would say the recurring theme that I have seen is uh, the challenge of showing up right now. Right. The challenge of showing up when you feel the heaviness of the world, you feel the heaviness of the stall of COVID, the stall of a strike. You feel like you're surrounded by an industry that is crumbling in in some way. And I say crumbling because I don't think we're actually totally crumbling, but I do think we are having to dismantle systems that were put in place and we have to remantle them in a way that protects the industry's people power. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's necessary, but it's also really difficult. Um, so yeah, just coming to class, honestly, yeah. showing up for themselves, showing up for themselves to do morning pages, showing up for themselves to journal, showing up for themselves to rehearse with a friend, showing up for themselves to submit the amount of power, I hope someone feels witness when I say this, the amount of energy and power it takes to click that button to submit yourself to something on Actors Access when you're not feeling like you feel powerful or you feel fruitful in this moment and you are putting yourself up to be rejected. Same thing with sending out things to reps. You know, there's, it's just the thing that I've worked on the most is just the power of showing up because every time you show up, you become vulnerable, but become vulnerable because you have opened yourself up to the ability that change can happen. And with the power of intention and the power of community, usually that change is very positive and you end up leaving class or the creative activity that you've put yourself into a position to be vulnerable around feeling better, feeling seen, feeling witnessed, feeling changed. But it is vulnerability and it is hard, particularly when things don't feel like they're going so well. So to me, that's been the biggest, the biggest, uh, I don't want to say battle because that feels so negative, but like I see it. It's just what I've been seeing. It's what I've been working with and trying to empower my actors to feel the benefit of showing up and to be proud of themselves for getting into a space to be vulnerable and to allow themselves to be changed, even when it feels like what's going on around you is not just fully supporting you in that direction. That was really well said. I remember a few times where you would come to class and say, I really didn't want to come today, Mm -hmm. but I am here. Yeah. I am not sure whether I'm going to act right now, but I am here. Yes. And I think that that is everything. It's like your body. Hey, maybe, I, I will show up in body and I'm hoping that my mind and spirit will, will come along. Yes. And you know, what usually invited that was watching other people work, watching other be, people be creative. And sometimes you're the one who can jump up and sometimes you're the one who just needs to be around it and absorb it and hope that it helps shift your tide. I love that. Yeah. But you get that choice too. And I think that's that, that in and of itself is empowering yeah. to know that your job is not to show up and be perfect every single time. That is an impossible task and it'll make you feel like shit. But if you can understand that you can modify whatever activity it is to a way that works for you, it's just the power of showing up and making that choice for yourself that will empower you in every way all throughout your life. If you can make those choices. God, I love that you just said that. Um, Last night in class, uh, we were working on this really challenging material uh, that is so good. And 
this one actor uh, was, you could tell beating herself up a little bit, like that she feels she didn't get there. And I mm-hmm. started to notice, I was like, God, this is the, this is a challenging part. I go, the goal is not to have a finished product by the end of class. I said, like, this is not about a finished product. I go, what's great about this is you've got this great foundation of base. And now you know what to go research when you get home. Because even, mm-hmm. like, and by the way, we have uh, one of our teachers actually has a pin in her for this particular job. Um, <gasps> I know, very big. But she didn't get it in that first moment. Like we coached and, and we gave her very specific things on what to focus on at home. We have to remember that the actor who gets this is probably going to have three months to work on this project. Yes. Right. So just the idea of gumming, but it was a real, it was a real light bulb for, oh, right, right. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no A at the end of this class. No, I think of it in terms of percentages that, that like what I asked my class to say is like, look, if you know, you're showing up at 15% today, let's set the intention to get to 35, right? If you're showing up at 15%, I don't want to be here. I'm having a hard time. I read through it once or twice. Great. Let's go to 35 I'm, I'm interacting with another person. I see the relationship forming in front of me. I'm actively listening. Amazing. And then you would keep going, but yeah, it's, if no wonder you don't want to show up if you, if you know you're at 15 and you think that you're supposed to get to a hundred in like two hours. It's a, it's yes. 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 That helps me to hear that. Yeah. Um, this was really fun. Yes. This was fabulous. What a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful community you've cultivated, John. I'm so grateful to have been a part of it for so long. It has given me so much success and such a sense of home away from home. So I'm, I'm grateful to be here. You know, I'm not great at taking things like that. (laughs) I know I did it just to embarrass you. (laughs) As the one who usually, uh, during a holiday party or anything, she's the one who basically announces the speech. Yes. Uh, she has always done that. Um, Reed, AKA, I force him to do it. <laughs> yeah, I force him to do it. Um, but you have been, you know, truly the uh, the backbone of the studio since the day it started and one of, and, and just so, uh, and such a great model for so many people and yeah. just about what it is to show up and work on yourself and be honest and and advocate for yourself. Yes, and that is a, uh, and as you said, it's a, it, it's, it's a process to learn how to do that. Yeah. So absolutely, uh, it's just, uh, it's such a privilege to just have you here. Um, thank you. Anyways, thank you. This was awesome. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Everybody have fabulous weeks. Have fabulous week, and may the strike be over by the next time we have <sighs> you hear the podcast. Yes. May the contract be with us. May the fair deal be upon us. Indeed. All right. Thank you, everybody. Hashtag Act Your Life is a John Rosenfeld Studios podcast produced by Pave Path Productions, filmed by Haley Tucker, sound engineering by Haley and Adam Tucker, sound mixing and original music by Brandon Liu and Brandon Liu Music. To learn more about John Rosenfeld Studios, visit www.johnrosenfeld.com.